The greatest threat in this democratic republic is apathy and ignorance, assuming God will continue to bless our nation and not judge it. Jefferson said, a nation that is ignorant and free is a nation that never was and never will be. American public education is one reason young Americans are totally ignorant of their heritage in thus losing their freedoms. This is Issues in Education. I'm Bob Boyd. And Jerry Boyd. Divide and conquer is an old strategy, but is now being used by leftist Democrat educators to indoctrinate little children that they are better or worse based on their skin color. Libby Emmon is the senior editor of Post Millennials and mother of school-aged children in New York City. Libby, why is this allowed to happen? They were teaching my son and the students in his class that we are not equal, that in fact white students have inherited a legacy of racism from their grandparents and parents. It's allowed to happen because critical race theory is incredibly pervasive in the American educational system. The teachers who teach the kids in schools have studied critical race theory. They've gone through excessive anti-racist and anti-bias training to talk about how white students are primarily oppressors. It's what's being taught, and it's being taught to the exclusion of American history. It's being taught to the exclusion of the belief that we're all equal under the law, that we're all equal in the eyes of God. Really, it's very un-American to teach this kind of bias, to teach racism where perhaps none existed before. Is not American. It's not engendering equality and it's just going to create a bunch of people who feel bad for themselves and no one should ever be taught that they are more or less worthy based on skin color. I thought we knew this in America and I don't know why we're reversing course on that. These liberal educrats emphasize race and teach prejudice under the guise of eliminating racism. Emphasizing race develops prejudice in children and destroys trust and makes it difficult to form friendships. Bishop E.W. Jackson is a pastor and a lawyer. He's a Harvard graduate. Bishop Jackson ran for the U.S. Senate in 2012, and he's the founder of STAND, and he served in the U.S. Marines. Bishop Jackson, help listeners understand the difference between the liberal leftists and what they're trying to do by replacing American history with their emphasis on race, white versus black, and what conservatives want to do by teaching our true American history. We are trying to maintain the principles that made America the great nation that it is, and the left is trying to fundamentally transform America because they believe that we are an unjust and a racist society. Those are two very different ways of life that lead to two very different results, and the left is taking us toward a totalitarian mindset. I'll give you an example. I had a big interaction with a protester. starts arguing with me. He said to me, your people came here as slaves. Slaves. You are a sellout to your community. This happened to be a white guy. Oh. You are a sellout to black people. You need to shut up. We don't need to hear what you have to say. That's the totalitarian mindset. They don't want to have a discussion with people. They don't want to try to persuade people of the rightness of your ideas. They want to shut them down. They want to destroy them, slander them. They want them out of the way. That's totalitarianism. See, conservatives don't think that way. We want to persuade liberals, but we don't want to destroy them. We don't want to try to shut them down. Because we think their ideas are ridiculous, and we think we can debate their ideas in the public square, and we will win. We will persuade most Americans. But the left doesn't think like that. They want you out. 
And that's what totalitarianists do. Well, look at that. That white guy just telling you about that. I bet he doesn't know that the Republican Party was formed. The Republican Party was formed to abolish slavery. And Abraham Lincoln, he was the first Republican president. If I were president, one of the things I would do is I would include in every speech something about American history. By the time my term were finished, Americans knew things about our history that they don't now know. And they were inspired to go back and reinvestigate American history, not the leftist history that they try to tell about us. Oh, the world was great until America came along, and America has done everything wrong, and America's racist, and America's unjust, and all of this garbage. But the truth about what's actually happened, the heroism, the nobility, the sacrifice that so many have made to make this a nation of freedom for everyone, that story needs to be retold again and again and again. And in fact, I would say every public official needs to use their platform to do that. I agree, and I vote for you in a heartbeat. Yeah, you, you got our vote. <laughs> Bishop Jackson, being involved in the political issue really gives us the rights that we have, whether it be religious freedom or freedom of speech or press or any of the freedoms, doesn't it? Of course. When we were admonished in Scripture to pray for all in authority, the first Christians to read those texts didn't have any say over who was in authority over them. We live in a country where you actually get to select who serves you in government and serves you, not rules over you, but serves you. The failure to participate in that process is a sin against Almighty God who gave you the privilege of selecting leaders. When the Bible says when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice, clearly it's up to us whether we rejoice or not because we get to put the righteous in authority. And if the wicked rule because we've either ignored the process or even worse, elected the wicked because they were the right race or the right party, then we're answerable to God. I think the consequences are going to be severe because we ourselves have participated in rebellion against God. And I think Christians are starting to wake up to the fact that God is watching them in the voting booth, just like he watches them in every other situation. I read on your website, 65 million evangelical Christians stayed home in the past presidential election. And I read how Democrats tell voters Republicans are going to put you back into slavery and take away your voting rights. The analogy I've been using is that the Democrat Party is like a slave ship taking people where they don't want to go. But it's convinced them that they're on a luxury cruise. But it's really time to jump ship because God has a better plan, has a better destination for us. You vote the biblical worldview that God expects us to have. And I think if we do that, we're going to always make the right choice. We're not going to vote for these candidates who are pushing abortion and and pushing the redefinition, not only of marriage now, but they're pushing the redefinition of gender. You got 56 genders. Jesus said in the beginning, God made them male and female, and we got people pushing 56 genders. It is rank rebellion against God, and it is time for Christians to say, I will not vote for a candidate who defies God and defies his word. And frankly, the Democrat Party has just made up its mind. It is the anti-God, anti-Christian party. They don't want God in their platform. They don't want God being brought up. They don't want prayer anywhere. They want a secular atheist society because everything they do indicates that they are anti-Christian. Okay, and another good indication is the Republicans are always standing for school choice whereas the Democrats are always voting against school choice, which would give everybody, including the precious kids that are 
stuck in crummy inner city schools that give their parents a chance to put them in a private school or a Christian school. Absolutely, and school choice is an essential element in trying to rescue the inner cities. I'm 64 years old. Uh, I'm probably not going to be around here another 50 years. But 50 years from now, are we still going to be saying, oh, isn't the education in inner cities terrible? Oh, isn't the violence terrible? Oh, isn't the out-of-wedlock birth terrible? Are we still going to be going around on the same unfortunate cycle, or are we going to finally do something to stop it? And school choice, I think, is one of the things that we can do to break the cycle of poverty and dysfunction. You're right, the educational problems require that parents be given an opportunity to send their children where they're going to get a fine education, rather than being trapped in schools that dumb them down, leave them functionally illiterate, and incapable of competing in a free market economy. So yeah, school choice is a critical part of that. And the Democrats are absolutely against it. I mean, Barack Obama, as one of his first acts, shut down the school choice program in Washington, D.C., which was at least giving some parents and children hope of going to the kind of schools he sends his own children to. So, yeah, school choice is critical. I think one of the most alarming things is, seven years ago, there was no major presence of Islam in America, but today Islam is in our public schools, and the Bible, prayer, the Ten Commandments are still banned. So in the public schools, we have prayer rugs, prayer rooms are okay, but Christians are censored. The left seems to have some sort of affinity for Islam, when in fact the radical Islamic cabal would kill them. They would be the first to go, because they believe that homosexuals should be thrown off roofs and beheaded and tortured and killed. Of course, Christians don't believe that. We love them. We pray for them. We would love to persuade them that there is a better life, that God has a better plan, but we don't want to hurt them. We don't want to kill them. In fact, we would stand against those who do. And yet, Yet the left seems to have gravitated toward Islam as some sort of victim class. The reality is Sharia law is against the constitutional principles upon which America was founded. But there seems to be a willingness to do everything possible to sanitize the culture of Christianity but open the doors to Islam. It's a very, very dangerous way of thinking, and we've just got to get back to being who we are. We are a Judeo-Christian country. Now, look, I have Muslims in my family. I still love them, but I, I don't want to kill them. Yeah, right. <laughs> but Islam is trying to kill people to persuade people to go along, and yet folks are embracing that rather than embracing Christianity, which is about love. Yeah, that's right. For many Muslims, Sharia law takes priority before the Constitution, so they can't have a loyalty to the constitution their loyalty is to islam the left is drawing their intellectual energy from marx from karl marx and from socialism and from communism conservatives are drawing our intellectual energy from thomas jefferson james madison george washington and patrick henry and abraham lincoln people can say what they want to say about donald trump But one thing, Donald Trump is not interested in the presidency as a perch for himself to show how great he is. Donald Trump really wants to serve the American people. He said that. He said that. He said, I want people coming into this country who honor our way of life and love the American people. He wants to serve us. The Founding Fathers intended. They intended a government that was serving the people because the people are the sovereigns who merely delegate our authority to the government for the purpose of doing our bidding. 
that sort of totalitarian socialist mindset. You all sit down, shut up, listen, I'm the expert, I'm the leader, I know what I'm doing, I will do what I want to do, and you all just sort of take it. Frankly, I think the American people just had it. Donald Trump is right when he says it's a rigged system because so many elites rig it for their own benefit rather than trying to make sure that every American has equal opportunity. The Supreme Court found gay marriage in the Constitution, but many people don't remember that God destroyed Sodom for homosexuality. I think it's important for people to understand that those of us who oppose same-sex marriage, not because we hate them or because we want to hurt them, but because the Bible teaches that it's sin, and we therefore cannot go along with it, because if we do, we are then in disobedience with God, and we're just not going to do that. Liberal elites, not the average Democrat who's just out there trying to earn a living, trying to get by, but these liberal elites have an agenda, and the agenda is to stay in power to do what they want to do. And in order to do that, they've got to keep the black community and other minority communities believing that they are the saviors and conservatives are the people who want to hurt them, harm them. And that is one of the reasons why they use race so often, because they know it's a tremendous tool of manipulation, because all you got to do is scare people that the other side hates you. They're a bunch of racists. You've got to stick with us, because we're the ones who care about you, when actually it's just the opposite. Conservatives want to see Every individual fulfill their God-given potential and go to the highest place they can go with their gifts and abilities. Liberals want to keep you on a plantation beholden to them so that they stay in power. Their agenda is about themselves. Conservatives' agenda is about helping people become everything God intended them to be. Boy, that's well put. The Democratic Party was the one that supported slavery, wasn't it? It was the party of slavery, absolutely. And, of course, the Ku Klux Klan was their enforcement arm. And people don't realize all those Ku Klux Klansmen were Democrats, and they saw themselves as enforcing the Democrat philosophy and keeping the Democrat Party in power. But see, here again, facts don't matter. History doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is feelings. People are told to feel good about Democrats because they feel good about blacks and other minorities, when actually the only thing they're feeling is themselves. The left is dragging America into a godless moral abyss. Without a vision, God's people perish. So people really need a vision. I'm just praying God will give us a vision. He'll stir up the hearts and he'll get out the vote. And we've got to get a hold of the American people and those 65 million that didn't even go out and vote. Yeah, vote your Christian principles, vote your ideals to try to get pastors to turn their people out to vote for the candidate that best reflects their Christian values and concerns. You are absolutely right. We've got to get out to vote. Millions upon millions of evangelicals did not vote. And the only way we're going to get back, we need an attorney general who is committed to enforcing the laws fairly and equally across all racial and cultural lines. We need an FBI director who does not bow to political pressure, but is going to investigate and follow the investigation wherever it leads. We've heard a lot about the integrity of James Comey. Most of his prosecutions have been of Republicans and conservatives. So Donald Trump really, in a sense, been raised up by God to address that, that he would uphold life and support Supreme Court justices who uphold life, that Christians
Christians would be able to carry out not just worship in church, but live out our Christian principles and values without being persecuted for it, which means to me, we don't get persecuted for refusal to participate in gay wedding ceremonies and the like, or have our businesses fined or be run out of business or lose our jobs and so forth. If you really believe that Christians should not get involved in trying to shape our government and what it does, then you ought to go tell God that he had no business sending Moses down to Egypt to tell Pharaoh to let God's people go. No, that's a good one. Yeah, that's right, because politics is just a tool in the hand of God. It's not taking the place of the gospel, but it gives us a freedom to preach the gospel. Absolutely, and we have the freedom to help choose who those people are who run our government. To not do so as a Christian, to me, is a sin against God. Amen. True. Listen to this powerful speech given by Bishop E.W. Jackson, given to a conference of pastors called A Call to Unity. We need more than knowing that we are right. We need to know that what we are doing is exactly what God ordained us to do and that we are doing it in exactly the way he wants us to do it. If we're going to win the battle, it's got to be based on, this is what God wants us to do. Well, how do we know that? Because we've sought God's face. While we're praying, seeking God's face for our country, we need to remember, you better praise God in the midst of the battle. Don't wait till the battle is over. Praise him now. Anybody can praise God when you've won. But it takes people of faith to praise God in spite of the fact that we don't seem to be winning. We've got to praise God anyhow. Praise him through the night. Praise him in the fight. Praise him forever because you know that he's worthy. God is good all the time. I don't care what the circumstance looks like. I'm convinced that we're not broken hearted enough for our country. We are broken hearted that this nation that God ordained has drifted so far from him. That people are going their own way, doing their own thing. It ought to cause us to weep. That people would say, we don't care what the Bible says. We don't care what your pastor says. We don't care what the church says. We don't care what God says. We're going to do it our way. We don't care what God said about marriage. We're going to make marriage what we want it to be. We don't care how sacred life is before God. We're going to dispense with it when we feel like it in the way we see fit. It ought to make us weep that so many have hardened their hearts toward him. And we know that our nation is suffering as a result. The children of Israel said, by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept as we remember Zion. But how can we sing the Lord's songs in a strange land? It bothers me to think that my own country is a strange land. I never thought there would be a day when my nation would persecute the Bible-believing Christian for standing for what the Word of God says and reward those who come against it as if they are heroes, as if they are great Americans for standing up against God. But that's where we are. I never thought I'd see the day when people would brag about their ability to destroy children in the womb. But that's exactly what we have today. And not only brag about it, but demand that your taxpayer dollars go to support the destruction of unborn children. It ought to make us weep. Sometimes it seems like we're living in a foreign land. They prayed, they wept, but they also gave. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Most of the churches in here probably have missionary budgets. But you know, I'm here to tell you today that there's a new mission field called the United States of America. 
take the word of God to the lost and dying in the United States of America. We got as many souls that need saving here as they have in Africa or Asia or anywhere else in the world. And increasingly we've got people here who've never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and they need to hear it. But God said, what about you? We need to prepare to give all if necessary. Our founding fathers gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor. We need to be prepared to do the same if we're going to save the United States of America. Now, I hear a lot of things in the body of Christ as I travel around the country, and there are people who come to me and they say this, has God already turned his back on America? Has God already judged America? Why should we fight if God has already decided that America has become a reprobate nation and turned its back on him? But I don't believe that just because we've lost some battles that God is telling us we need to quit. I don't believe that. In fact, I believe that when the moment seems darkest, when the situation seems gravest, when it seems we are farther from victory than we've ever been, that's when God shows up. That's when God reminds us of who he really is. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? With men, things are impossible, but not with God. With God, all things are possible. And all things are possible to them that believe. We are not fighting this battle on our own. We're fighting this battle in the name of the Lord our God. And therefore, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing under obedience every thought to Jesus Christ I believe we're going to win this thing I wouldn't be wasting my time if I believed for a moment that God was done with us I believe we're going to win this thing no matter how bad it may look right now I believe that there's victory in Jesus Christ because he always causes us to triumph I believe we're going to win because the United States of America is a gift from Almighty God. It's been given to us, bequeathed to us by our founding fathers. God has given us this great nation and God does not give something with the purpose of taking it away. The gifts and the calling of God are without revocation. What God has done, man cannot undo. God is going to save this nation. God promised Abraham he would save Sodom and Gomorrah if there were just 10 righteous in those cities. And look out among this crowd here. All across this nation, we've got millions who are crying out to God saying, God, have mercy upon our beloved country. I believe that God hears our prayers and he's going to answer those prayers. And the United States of America is going to have a great awakening, is going to have a revival, that God is going to move on our nation. We're going to win because we're going to put on the whole armor of God and stand against the wiles of the devil. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of the living God. We're going to win because God said, ask of me. In Psalm 2, 8, God said, ask of me and I will give you nations as an inheritance for you. And I said, God, I don't want the nations. Just give me one. Just give me the United States of America. Just give me my beloved country. I want our nation to be, have it be said of it. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. I want it to be said of this nation. 
The people rejoice because the righteous are in authority. I want it to be said of this nation, sin is a reproach to any people, but God exalts those in righteousness. We're going to win because we dwell in the secret place of the Most High. We abide under the shadow of the Almighty. We say of the Lord, he is our refuge, our fortress, our God. In him will we trust. Surely he will deliver us from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover us with his feathers and under his wings we shall take refuge. His truth shall be our shield and buckler. We shall not be afraid of the owl that flies by day, nor the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand shall fall at our side and ten thousand at our right hand, but it shall not come near us. Only with our eyes shall we behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because we've set our love upon him, he will deliver us. He will set us on high because we've known his name. He will deliver us and honor us and show us his salvation. So fight on. Fight on. I don't care how it looks. Fight on. Because you cannot be defeated if you will not quit. Fight on. Because truth will rise again. Fight on. Because righteousness defeated is still more powerful than evil triumphant. Fight on. Fight on. Because they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Fight on. That's great preaching from a true man of God. Oh, that is so good. A great American and truly inspirational pastor, Bishop E.W. Jackson, who speaks God's words to us. We will win. If you would like a CD copy of today's program, please ask for number 1795, Righteousness Exalts a Nation. That's number 1795, Righteousness Exalts a Nation. You can order a CD copy of this program from our website. Our website is issuesineducation.org. That's issuesineducation.org. Please give us a call at 928 776 That's 928-776-0000 from Proverbs 14, verse 34. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people. For Issues in Education, this has been Bob and Jerry Boyd.